A very good evening and a very warm welcome to each and every one of you. And whether you have joined with us in the sanctuary this evening or are meeting with us online, you are all very welcome. May the Lord draw near as we exercise this means of grace and abundantly bless us together. Let us bring our praise to God using the words of Psalm 65 in in the Sing Psalm section of the Psalter, page 82. Psalm 65, and we sing the first eight verses. In Zion, praise await you, Lord. To you our vows we'll pay. To you all people will come near. You hear us when we pray. When we were overwhelmed by sins and guilt upon us lay, you pardoned all our trespasses and washed our guilt away. Psalm 65 verses 1 to 8. In Zion praise awaits you, Lord.
Now let us draw near to God in prayer. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of gathering together in your house this evening. We come before you giving you thanks for the God that you are, the God that you have revealed yourself to be in Scripture and in nature. And we thank you as we have been singing of the great things that you have done for us. But we thank you that although we feel within ourselves we are so undeserving of even the least of your mercies, you are a good and a generous and a kind God. And we would be hesitant about coming before you because we are reminded of our sins, our failures, our shortcomings, our trespasses, our transgressions. And we thank you that you have provided a way whereby we can come. We thank you that you have heard our prayer our prayer of confession and our prayer of repentance. And we thank you that you have given us a person, even your own Son, Jesus Christ. We do bless you, O God, that he is able to save us. We thank you that he and his precious blood cleanses us from all sin. And so with joy and gladness in our hearts, we come before you to give you the glory, the honor, the praise that is due to your great and holy name. Do draw near to us in our worship Help us to focus on you, O God. We pray that you would enable us by your grace to focus our eyes, to focus our ears, to focus our mouths as we sing the Psalms, and above all, to focus our minds and our hearts upon you. And oh, do have your own perfect way amongst us. Remember us here. Remember everywhere where your true people meet together in real worship. We pray that you would draw near to where your word is faithfully proclaimed. Follow with your rich blessing all that is said and all that is done in your name and bring great glory to the cause of Jesus Christ. So draw near to us and help us and abundantly bless us. And all this we pray with the forgiveness of our every sin in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Now we sing from the Scottish Psalter on page 446, and it is Psalm 146, singing from verse 5 to the end of the psalm. O happy is that man and blessed whom Jacob's God doth aid, whose hope upon the Lord doth rest, and on his God is stayed, who made the earth and heavens high, who made the swelling deep, and all that is within the same, who truth doth ever keep. Psalm 146, from 5 to the end. O happy is that man and blessed.
Let us read God's word as it is recorded for us in Paul's letter to the Philippians. <coughs> Philippians chapter 2. And we'll read the whole chapter. Philippians chapter 2. Let us attend to the word of God. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. 
But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor, such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Amen. And we look to the Lord to follow with his blessing this reading of his infallible word. Let's again come before the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Our God and Father, we thank you for the privilege of praying. You have given unto your people the ministry of intercession. You have told us to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Send your Holy Spirit upon us afresh as we pray for others and especially those who are in need. We remember those, especially those of our number who are ill and laid aside. We pray for the elderly and the infirm, those who would long with all their hearts to be joining with us in fellowship in the gospel, but they are prevented from doing so. Draw near to them. Meet with them this evening. Grant them each one an individual Sabbath evening's blessing. Remember especially our minister. We pray for Farker. We thank you for him. And we seek to cover him now with our prayers for his recovery. Lord, do grant him an assurance, a deep, peaceful assurance of your presence and that it will be well with him. Remember his wife Greta and family at this anxious time. Lord, support them with your word and with your grace. Father, we pray for those who mourn, those who have been suddenly plunged into mourning through the passing of a loved one. And there are so many affected in this way. Lord, comfort, 
Comfort especially your people with the glorious hope of the resurrection and the certainty of the return of Jesus Christ when the graves will give up their dead and we all shall be raised. Remember the preaching of your word in our land. Father, it does concern us that so many neglect this means of grace. Church attendance is falling away. But we do thank you that you still have a remnant. You still have your people. And Lord, we pray that you would bless everywhere where faithful men lift up your word and proclaim the whole counsel of God. Do bless them, encourage them, and give them souls for their labor. As shortly we turn to your word, we pray that you would go before us and lead us and guide us. Grant us all an awareness of your presence. And these things we ask in the Savior's name and for his sake. Amen. Before turning to meditate on God's word, we sing all of Psalm 125 in the Psalter on page 419. They in the Lord that firmly trust shall be like Zion Hill, which at no time can be removed, but standeth ever still. Psalm 125, they in the Lord that firmly trust.
looking to the Lord for help and relying upon enabling grace, we want to consider verses 9 to 11 of Philippians chapter 2. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And first of all, this evening I would point out to you that we have here a God-given person. In verse 7, the latter part. Being born in the likeness of men. In verse 8, the beginning. And being found in human form. And verse 9, therefore God has highly exalted him. A God-given person, even Jesus Christ, God's own Son, our only hope of salvation, Jesus His name isn't actually mentioned in those verses that I read, but he is referred to. What did John Newton write? How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It soothes his sorrows, heals his wounds, And drives away his fear. God has given to us so many gifts. Even today as we think of today. And the gifts that we have received from the open hand of God. In his kindness and goodness. In his mercy and in his grace. He has lavished gifts upon us. But the best gift of all, the best gift by far, is the gift of his own Son, Jesus Christ. His name, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Are we not blessed? Oh, I trust that we are really deeply thankful for the gift of Jesus Christ, a God-given person. But then in verse 9, we have a God-given position. Therefore God has highly exalted him, And bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. It's a long time ago since I heard 
a Bible teacher say, whenever you see the word therefore in Scripture, look to see why it is there, what it is there for. Well, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name because of his humility. Why wouldn't God exalt his own dear son? Why wouldn't he raise him to the heights? Because of his humility. Verses 7 and 8. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Humility. It is a principle of Scripture that humility must always come before exaltation. Matthew 23 and 12, the words of Jesus himself, Whoever exalts himself will be abased, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. James chapter 4 verse 6, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 10 of that same book and same chapter. Humble yourselves in the sight of God, and he will lift you up. 1 Peter 5 and 5. Be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And both Peter and James are quoting from Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 34. Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Sometimes in our minds, even in Christian thinking, we get the cart before the horse. Humility must precede exaltation. Sometimes we have the opinion, well, if I am promoted, if I am exalted, if I am raised to a place of respect and honor, then I have to treat that with all due humility. But that's not the way Scripture puts it. With Scripture, humility is a prerequisite for exaltation. So we have a God-given position because of Christ's humility. But we also have a God-given position given to Jesus because of his obedience. Verse 8, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming 
obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Right throughout his earthly ministry, from the day he was born until the day he ascended back to his father, he was utterly, completely, 100% yielded to the will of his father. Whatever God willed, Jesus did it. He was completely obedient. Would any father not be pleased with a son who was obedient in every way at all times? I can remember that at times I was obedient to my father. On the whole, I suppose I was, but there stands out for me those occasions when I was disobedient. I went against, deliberately went against the will of my Father. Not so with Jesus. Always, everywhere, every time, he was obedient to the Father's will. Would the Father then not exalt him? He was exalted because of his humility. He was exalted because of his obedience. But he was exalted because of the Father's pleasure. It pleased the Lord to exalt him. We find it difficult to understand what Isaiah says, how it pleased the Lord to bruise him. We can't understand this. But it's easier for us to understand that God has exalted Jesus because of his pleasure in his Son. God the Father delighted absolutely delighted in his son you remember at his baptism when Jesus came up out of the water he saw the heavens opened and the spirit of God descending like a dove and the voice from heaven saying this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So this God-given position of Jesus has been granted by the Father because of our Saviour's humility and obedience and the Father's good pleasure. But he's not just exalted. He is highly exalted. I'm sure you're familiar with the Olympics, the Olympic Games, and how there are medals awarded to first, second, and third positions in whatever discipline. 
the third person, the third place, gets a bronze medal hung around their neck. They are called to the podium and they take the lowest step. The second person, the runner-up, gets a silver medal and is called to the podium and they get a higher position than the bronze medal winner. But highest of all is the winner, the gold medal winner. And that person is called to stand at the highest point on the podium and they are acknowledged to be the winner, the highest place of all. But that lasts for four years. And then the next Olympics come along. And it will most likely be the case that someone else takes the highest place. Someone else wins a gold. And so the previous winner of the gold is no longer the highest placed in the world. Not so with Jesus. God has exalted him. And there is no higher position than the position that God the Father has given to the Son. And it will never, ever be taken from him. He will never be usurped. Jesus will always be highly exalted. Let us remember this when we come to worship. That we are coming, not just joining together with other believers, those of kindred hearts and like minds. We are not coming to show our support for a congregation, a denomination. We are not coming out of respect for the minister, however highly we may hold him. We are coming to worship Jesus, Jesus Christ, who has been exalted to the highest place. He is worthy of all our worship. The American Charles Hutchison Gabriel wrote these words based on this text. Far above all is our Saviour enthroned. Crowned is the Lamb who for sinners is owned. Living forever to listen to our call. God has exalted him far, far above all. Far above all, far above all. Jesus the crucified Far above all, high as his members upon him we call, God has exalted him far above all. I trust that I have succeeded already this evening in exalting Jesus 
in your mind and in your heart that I have succeeded in exalting Jesus to where he is the highest place in heaven so we have a God given person a God given position then thirdly in verses 10 and 11 we have a God given purpose so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father did you ever think of the first part of this verse so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and what about those poor creatures who have no knees they've been amputated to save their lives how can their knees bow when they have no knees to bow before the Lord well I believe they will be given knees on that day because when the scripture says every knee shall bow it means what it says there will be no exceptions and every tongue confess what about those who never spoke a word on earth how will they confess well again like knees I believe they will be given a tongue on that day to bow before the Lord to bow their knees and confess with their tongues total submission no exceptions no excuse clauses so that at the name of Jesus remember this name it's the highest name in heaven and on earth every knee should bow and every tongue confess total submission and dear friend if you haven't already bowed the knee and confessed with the tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord one day you will do it but that day may be too late always better to be in time than out of time have you bowed in total submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ total submission every single person ever born will bow the knee and confess with the tongue total submission but then there is also total scope 
Look at what we are told. That every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. There is no escaping. Have we forgotten the words of David in Psalm 139? Verses 7 to 12. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. Total scope. Total submission. No one will fail to bow the knee and confess with the tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord. Total scope to the uttermost ends of the earth in heaven in hell there is no escaping the final day when Jesus will come when he will be crowned king of kings and lord of lords and there is total fulfillment of scripture Isaiah chapter 45 and verses 5 and 6 and then 23. I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me there is no God. I equip you though you do not know me. That people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. And verse 23. By myself I have sworn, from my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear allegiance. Total fulfillment of scripture. It's written in God's word, therefore it must inevitably come to pass. A God-given purpose. A total submission, total scope, total fulfillment of Scripture. We have thought about a God-given person, a God-given position, and a God-given purpose. Now finally, a God-given promise in verse 
11. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want to deal just with the latter part of this verse 11 that Jesus Christ is Lord and then to the glory of God the Father. That Jesus Christ is Lord is the earliest creed of the primitive church. The church of the New Testament, this was their battle cry, if you like. This was their rallying call. Jesus Christ is Lord. That was it. Jesus Christ is Lord. And this is what every tongue will confess. It's possible to bow the knee, to be forced in submission to the ground, to the knees bowed in the dust. But still this raging rebellion in the head and in the heart But that will be forced away. Every tongue will confess. Every tongue will acknowledge. Jesus Christ is Lord. In a way I long for that day. Because on the earth at present Jesus Christ is not Lord. He's rejected by many. He's shunned by more than a few. But the day is coming when on earth every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Romans 10 and 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 1 Corinthians 12 and 3. Therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Before I leave this, may I kindly, gently ask you, in your heart, in your life, is Jesus Christ Lord? To the glory of God the Father. I love meditating upon this because there is a mystery about it. But it's a wonderful mystery. The Son glorifies the Father. And the Father glorifies the Son. And we see the perfect unity of the Trinity.
The Son glorifies the Father, and the Father glorifies the Son. And on that day, when every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord, Jesus will be glorified and the Father will be glorified in him. That great high priestly prayer of Jesus in John 17. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work that you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. What Jesus is praying for his Father, he's praying for himself. Now, O Father, glorify me with yourself here's a dual prayer a prayer for Jesus and a prayer for the Father and on that great day when Jesus comes again and every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord the Father will be glorified in the Son, and the Son in the Father. And so may God help us to ponder these truths as we have thought about a God-given person, a God-given position, a God-given purpose, and a God-given promise. And may Christ be magnified in our hearts and lives. Let us pray. Eternal Father, again we thank you for your Son, Jesus. We thank you for the love you have for him and the love he has for you. We thank you for all that Jesus accomplished on earth as he completely fulfilled your purpose for him being born as a human being. We thank you for his complete obedience. Oh, teach us obedience, explicit, implicit, complete obedience. And help us to look on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the one who has been exalted to your right hand, the one before whom every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Help us to live out our lives, showing to all showing to ourselves, showing to the devil, 
showing to Jesus that he is Lord. Hear our prayer. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. We conclude our worship by turning to Psalm 300 and sorry, Psalm 106 on page 378. Psalm 106 in the Psalter. Give praise and thanks unto the Lord, for bountiful is he, his tender mercy doth endure unto eternity. God's mighty works who can express or show forth all his praise. Blessed are they that judgment keep and justly do always. We sing the first five verses of Psalm 106. Give praise and thanks unto the Lord. Son and Holy Spirit rest upon you and remain with you this night and forevermore. Amen.